In this episode of Boss Files, YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki. She was one of the first women hired at Google, employee number 16. Dubbed by Time Magazine as the most powerful person on the internet, she's now a leading voice in the effort to close the opportunity gap in Silicon Valley. And this mother of five was the first woman ever to take maternity leave from Google. She joined me for a candid conversation as part of our CNN Money American Opportunity Breakfast series in New York. We are so glad you're here. Um, I've known you. Susan for a while and had the chance to interview her before, but if you're not uh, familiar with her, she was one of the first women hired at Google. Employee number 16, is yep. that right? Yep, employee 16. She is unquestionably one of the most powerful media executives on the planet right now. We are live streaming this at youtube.com slash CNN. And if she had not been looking for a little bit of extra money to pay the mortgage on her first home, <laughs> we may not be sitting here right now and I will explain how uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin fit into all of that in a moment. She's been increasingly active and vocal when it comes to providing the necessary opportunity for women and girls to be where we should be in this new tech economy. And she's the mother of five. Easy peasy, right? <laughs> Thank you for being here, Susan. Sure. Thank you for having me. So Time Magazine described you as the most powerful woman on the internet. Wow. I mean, just sit with that for a moment. It's a great <laughs> honor, but it's a great responsibility, too. Yeah. What is your role? What is your responsibility outside of running YouTube? Yeah. Well, so I think, you know, I think about YouTube first maybe as like a, a huge opportunity and responsibility to make sure that we're growing it and growing in a way that is good for users and advertisers and our creators and that whole ecosystem. Uh, but outside of, outside of YouTube, I see responsibility to be a woman leader and to represent tech as a really compelling opportunity for the next generation of women and to make sure that it's a really compelling place for the women that are in tech. And um, you know, how, do, how do we grow tech? How do, I think tech has a bad reputation right now among women. Like, how do we make it better? Tech has a bad reputation among women. I mean, wh why is that? Candidly, is that because of the sexism issues in Silicon Valley? Is that why? Is it because of the lack of diversity in Silicon Valley? I, I mean, I think tech, a lot of people like, who maybe who aren't in tech will think, oh, it's this really geeky field. It's not very creative. It's not very social, right? And geeky itself has a lot of really ne negative connotations of, you know, people in t-shirts staying up late at night, um, just like in front of their screens. See, that's, that sounds cool to me, but okay, <laughs> I'll take your argument. Well, I think, you know, if you're a young, um, you know, in college or young high school student, like going to the computer lab and like spending all your time there might not seem like a cool idea. And so it has that connotation of, of being really geeky. And, and I think that's a problem for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And if, if you step back for a minute and you say, what is the biggest force that is changing our society, that is, that is moving our society forward in different ways, not just in the tech field, but mm -hmm. across all fields, um, whether it's architecture or urban planning or cars. design or cars or um, home improvement, any of those areas are being, you know, banking, all these areas are being affected by technology. And so if you say the biggest force that is changing us is not being represented by 
women. by women I, proportionately, like that's a problem. So you've equated it before this moment in our history as a country to you know the printing press. It's you've yeah. said it's that big. Yeah, the numbers are really dismal. 26% of tech jobs in the U.S. are held by women. The number of women graduating from college with computer science degrees is 20%. It's gone way down actually yeah. from the mid to late 1980s for some bizarre reason. Yeah. Make the case for America's competitiveness because you've also said it's a Sputnik moment. Yeah. What, do, what happens if we don't get this right? Yeah, well, you know, like if you look at techno technology and say this change of information and the distribution of information is similar to going through the printing press revolution where suddenly a new set of people were able to have access to information in all these ways they never could have had information beforehand. And, you know, at the time of the printing press, you know, if you had some set of people who could read and write, um, so imagine that only 20% of women could read or write, or the, the set of people who um, could read and write, only 20% of them are women. Like, that would suddenly mean there would be lots of points of view, lots of authors, um, lots of opinion pieces that you just wouldn't be hearing mm -hmm. from, from that audience. And so that would mean you would have less diversity of opinion. And if you have less diversity of opinion, well, then you're less innovative. Mm -hmm. You're not capturing the whole market. And so that becomes an issue for the whole market in terms of an innovation and ability to, um, to think creatively and, and to grow um, companies. And you know, I think it's really amazing that we have like had so we've had like, an acceleration of technology, like so many new companies. But we need to have make sure that 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 innovation is coming from all places. So we'll back into that more in a moment. Uh, some staggering numbers: people watch a billion, a billion hours of YouTube yeah. every single day. And you've said before that YouTube is the Google of ten years ago. Yeah. That makes me think: what What does that mean? What will YouTube be in ten years? Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty amazing that YouTube um, is really you know, just a little over 10 years, 11 years old. And um, like what I saw being, I've been at, since I've been at Google at the beginning is, is that, um, you know, you, you, if you continue to grow in every, um, you know, you start out small with one idea, but then you're able to continue to grow, um, that's an opportunity for YouTube of how, you know, we're early in that product cycle. I think that's one of the, you know, ways I look at it, the change from a, a um, watching TV and watching video in a linear way mm -hmm. to watching it to an on-demand digital way, um, the change from having everything, um, you know, having a small set of producers to a huge number of producers. YouTube um, creators. YouTube creators, your own creators people all over, the, giving everyone a voice, anyone the ability to become a creator, to become their own media company, like that, that's a big change. Big Should change that for society. Scare established media companies like the one I work for? <laughs> well, um, maybe a little. Um, okay. I mean, I, I do think it's different. I mean, right? YouTube, is, you just launched in April, you, you know, streaming, you, I yeah. mean, TV streaming. It is, you know, competitive with the established brands out there. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what I do think, um, I mean, media, traditional media companies play a really, really important part in the ecosystem. Um, they produce wonderful content and um, valuable in so many ways. But what I, I worry about is, if I, like if I were a traditional media company, is that the next generation likes to consume their content 
on demand, right? Yeah. They like to have it be mobile. They like it to be searchable. They like it to you know, get notifications and to push to them. So making sure that the media companies are continuing to embrace like, the latest tools and technology. CNN, CNN Go. Yes. We uh, well, so, and you know, this is being live streamed, yeah. right? Yeah, it's on it YouTube. Um, so I think like, making sure that all of those next, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at that next generation, that's where they're spending their time. So pause for a moment, because when you talk about women, if only 20% of women could read and write, where would we be? Yeah. Maybe if you were not at Google, you would not have written the business case to buy YouTube, which you did, I read, in like under an hour. And Mark yeah. Cuban said <laughs> only a moron would buy YouTube. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, um, I mean, <laughs> history, like, I think has proven itself out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think many ways, like I've just had a different perspective um, from being where I am and, and being a woman and, um, you know, and having the perspective that I did. And, and like, yeah, I was a huge advocate of, of buying YouTube. I mean, I saw the potential. I saw how my kids were using it. I saw some of the first user generated content and it was, um, so we had this night where like, we had all these people upload content. So you know, we started out by we just said like let's we'll just put a notice on Google that will say anyone can upload video. That's how we started out, and we were like we had no idea would anybody upload anything. And so the first surprise was like people all over the world uploaded stuff. Like they didn't know what was going to happen to it. They didn't know where it was going to go. And so that was like the first interesting insight. Um, and I I remember opening the first video and seeing it. And it, were, it was these purple puppets singing in Swedish. That and was the first YouTube video? That was the first video I saw that wow. was like, like uploaded from our user base. I think it was probably the first video seen by anyone that was uploaded in a user environment of just like asking the world, upload videos, and then seeing what happened. And I, I just looked at it and I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. This is really weird. <laughs> and, um, and then like, I was there with my kids and they looked at it and they were like, play it again. And um, wow. they want, and then they're like, play the next one, play the next one, and and so you know, I could see like, look, this is like unlike anything I've ever seen before, but it's really compelling. You had a real time, uh, you know, uh, focus group in front of you. A real time focus in group. Your kids. So, you recently wrote an op-ed that got a lot of attention in Vanity Fair. The the headline: How to break up the Silicon Valley Boys Club. In it, you write that you're frustrated that an industry so quick to embrace change, and the future cannot break free of its regrettable past. And you said, fixing these issues of unfair treatment and harassment, you talk about the Uber example in that case mm -hmm. by Susan Fowler, you said it's not rocket science. So, no. that, so what's the solution? No, it, it's not, um, this is not, I mean, this is a solvable, um, this is a solvable problem. And so I outlined three different steps which Sounds straightforward, but I don't think are happening in most companies. And so the first one is that it really needs to come from the top. You need the CEO at the company to say, it matters, we want to have diversity at our company, like where's my, where's my, um, like not just where's my diversity team, but okay, all of you, all my leaders, like, like I want to make sure that you're all thinking about this when you're doing your hiring, when you're growing your teams. Um, and and it makes a difference. So, like you know, I, I cited Reed Hastings, Reed Hastings who talked about that at Netflix, 
Um, I'm also on the board of Salesforce. Um, like Mark Benioff has been a really big supporter on equal pay. He's like, we're going to make a big change on equal pay. We're going to go through this. He actually came out and said, we have a problem. We're not paying some women as much as, as their male counterparts. Yeah. Here's our problem. We're going to fix it. I, I'm not sure a lot of CEOs would be that candid. And so, I mean, that's an example of a CEO owning the issue and saying, let's solve this. Um, let's raise awareness and let's solve it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so great when you see a CEO take on an issue, embrace it, and use all of their power to be able to fix this. Um, I think the second thing is that we need to make sure that you're funding the groups to be able to, the, the different diverse groups, to be able to um, have their own support. So whether it's like their own employee resource groups, um, enabling them to be able to meet, to do their offsites, um, but then not expecting them to plan everything. So I, I'll sometimes we'll see this, like I saw this early in Google's days where we would have a, a women's group um, and a women offsite, and then suddenly all the women were planning it, and I was like, wait, you're already under stress, you're already working in an organization where you are maybe doing a little more, balancing more, and now you're planning like this big women's offsite, like let's get in some professional help to help to organize it. So you need to have the budget and the people and not assume that the, you know, if there's like one woman in a group, she's gonna be the one that is gonna organize the women's organization, um, right? It's just not fair. Um, and like you would, you would like, it seems really obvious, but this happens all the time. And so um, you need to ha give them the budget and the resources to do that. And then ask them like, well, what do you need, right? And give them the support. Mm -hmm. And then the last one I, I have seen is just providing mentorship. And like, I feel like I've been really, bene I've benefited from that. There's no question. I, I've worked incredibly hard in my career. I've been really lucky to be in the right place. I've yeah. you know, made a lot of great business decisions. Um, but I've also had people at the top of the company who um, saw potential and invested in me and made sure that I was able to be in the right meetings and be in the right places. Yeah. Being, and, you, you've talked about men being important. Part of that, Bill Campbell, a legend who died last year, a legend yeah. of Silicon Valley was a big part of that for you. My mentor, Andrew Hayward, is in the audience today. Men play a really big role in this for women, don't they? As we look at some great early pictures, by the oh, way, yeah. of you in the early, early days of, of Google. Yeah. Um, so, but talk about the role of, of men in doing that and responsibility I, for them. I mean, if you look at technology field, like most of the leaders are men. I mean, we just went through the numbers, right? And so if you think about like, well, how are you going to change that? Well, it's like you need people who are on the inside. You need people who are the leaders. And those happen to be a lot of men. And so you need them to be saying, like, I want to bring diversity and I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to make sure that you know, so-and-so can come to me. I'm going to make sure that I'm promoting the people in my um, org who have that talent. And um, Bill Campbell is like, and, you know, for those of you who don't know, he was the, kind of like the, the coach of Silicon Valley. Um, which I thought was super interesting because he was not a technical person. He would always say, I can't write a single line of code. Um, and he had come from being a football coach, but yet he was the advisor to the top people in Silicon Valley. Um, Steve Jobs, like within Google, um, many different companies. He was chairman of the board at um, Intuit. And um, he was a huge supporter of women. And I knew that when I had an issue, um, I could reach out to him and he would help me. And you know, there were a few times that there were like events I wasn't invited to or, you know, meetings or something that I wasn't, um, you know, ex external um, ones. And he, um, or, you know, conference, and he, he would, he, I would reach out to him and he, um, 
he would actually swear a lot too, and, be like, and he would like get all angry and be like, "I'm gonna fix this," and then like you know, and then he'd hang up, and then like a day later, I'd be like, "Whoa, I got that invite. Thank there you, you Bill." But it's, it's right. It's, it's, it's a really important uh, thing to ask to be there, ask to be at the table, or ask someone to help you get there because your voice won't be heard. Uh, before we move on a bit to yeah. sort of opportunities in tech for young girls and your daughter and how she yeah. has played a role in this. It's really important that we talk about sexism in Silicon Valley right now. Susan, mm -hmm. is there a sexism problem in Silicon Valley today? Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think, you know, Silicon Valley is a diverse place and there are many different opinions, but like within Silicon Valley, but I think whenever you have a, a culture that is, whenever you have a majority and a minority, it's going to be harder for that minority. Um, and you know, in the article, I also talked about, you know, um, you know, even in a culture where people are really well-meaning, and I, I think there are many, many well-meaning, working hard, trying to provide Silicon Valley to be a diverse place. There are sometimes um, microaggressions, right? Like people um, who will just cut you off. Um, and you'll be talking and then someone will interrupt you uh, and so that's actually become like a big pet peeve of mine so whenever like somebody interrupts me I'll be like wait I was talking do not interrupt me um, but I enjoy it even more actually when I see them interrupting someone else and then I'll be like wait she was talking don't interrupt her um, and I think like when every time I've done that like people have been like oh thank you like I didn't realize I was doing that so I guess I want to point out that there's some unconscious, we, you know, we talk about unconscious bias. Yes. And that is, um, you know, I realize like that's just pattern recognition. Like all of our brains are designed to do that where you are, you know, you learn like in a short period of time, like, you know, this is like, you, you can't process everything. So you learn this is certain ways that the world works. And, um, and that can cause unconscious bias. And so I think just making people more aware of it mm -hmm. is, really, is really important. So would you say overall, yes, there is a problem in the Valley and one you're hopeful is being fixed? Well, I think that, I mean, I think there, there is a problem just in the, num in the numbers and being underrepresented. Like we need more women across the board. And until those numbers get fixed, it's gonna, it's gonna be a less, it's gonna be a harder place for women to work. Have you lived, have you ever experienced sexism? Well, I, I mean, I guess I, would, I feel like in general I, I've worked with incredible mentors at a company that's been really supportive, but there are moments where like someone will like interrupt me or like, you know, say something that is like irritating to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think my personal um, view has been like, I guess I like to believe that, that people are good and people are well-intentioned and when people say things that are um, you know, that might offend me, like, I, I'll just tell them, like, I just disagree with that. And um, mm -hmm. so, I, I mean, again, I think anytime you're in an environment where there's a majority and a minority, it's going to be harder for that minority, even if that majority is really well-intentioned. Let's take a, a moment, let's watch a video, it's a short video that YouTube put out um, around International Women's Day. Oh, sure. When we're connected, it means we all believe in each other. And I believe that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. So do it. I realized that I had a purpose, and it wasn't just about me. Together we can show the world how awesome it is to support one another and build women up. There is nothing more powerful 
than a group of determined sisters. I can't keep quiet. Let us fight with love. When somebody underestimated me, it made me want to prove them wrong. You know what? Perfection isn't real. You are great. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks of you. So many people around the world have a very negative idea of what Muslim women are like. It's pretty simple. We're awesome. I'm not a lone voice. I am many. I am Malala. But I'm also Shazia. I'm Kainat. I'm Kainat Somro. I'm Mozun. I am Amina. And today, I'm not raising my voice. It is the voice of those 66 million girls. Nearly 5 million people watched that. And since yeah. you took over as CEO of YouTube in 2014, YouTube itself has gone from 24% women to 30% women. You've actually increased at a faster clip than Google as a whole. Google yeah. has 31% women. Is that a conscious effort on your part? Yeah. It's, it's a really conscious effort. So I got there and I said, let's focus on this. And you know, I did exactly what I wrote in the Vanity Fair article. I was like, I'm the CEO. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm like, let's focus on this. And so you know, we met with all the teams. We went through the numbers. We're like, how can we make this better? Um, OK, we need to hire a few people to focus on it. And just like any, any project, you start, you put good people on it, you have goals. Um, and then you meet and manage those goals um, on a regular basis. And it's like, well, wow, like, lo and behold, it's not rocket science. Like, it, it, it works. It's not, but you say something important that I don't know that all companies do. You actually hired people, meaning you pay people to make sure this happens. It's not just recruiters and HR. Yeah. You're actually paying people to make sure that this happens. Yeah, well, I think what we found is that we needed more people on our diversity teams to to support all the like sourcing the recruiting the internal programs um, measuring the numbers like even putting together you know figuring out all the goals and measuring them so we did need more of that but I also want to be careful about saying oh this is just like this is something you can just hire two people and solve you can't just hire two people and solve like you need your entire management team to realize this is important. Like we are gonna be a better, stronger company if we have diversity. And um, and and like just talk about it really openly with it with your management team and making sure that they also see that. And like, you know, I think, you know, right away I got to YouTube and um, actually like two months after I joined, I got pregnant at YouTube. So I was like, yay, CEO. And then I was like, oh look, I'm like having my fifth baby. And um, which is like very exciting year. It's probably like the most exciting year of my life to have both things happen at the same time. But it was also quite a lot, you know. So I was like very open about like I'm having a baby and and um, yeah, you know. And these are my thoughts on paid leave, and these are my thoughts on families. And so I've just like always been really, really open. And then I found like you know it was kind of eye opening to some people, and they were like we're very supportive. So I really found it comes the tone comes from the top, yeah. and and then. 
everyone was like, yeah, of course we want to have diversity. Let's hire more. Let's like, you know, let's like recruit. Let's like have this program. I'll be like, will you come speak at the women's event? Like everyone's like, yeah, I want to speak at the women's yeah. event. So it's just like the, you know, the t or the, you know, the the tone comes from the top. And when you open it up and you make that a really interesting and desirable activity for people to participate in, like everybody does. And so that's why, again, at the end, I feel like everyone's well intentioned. Everyone means well, but they need to be shown a path. Um, how to do it. How to do it. And like, I think that one of the challenges with tech is that it's a very fast moving cutthroat industry. So like, if you're late, if your product is later than another one, like your business could, you know, start losing customers. And, and, and so it's sometimes people, I think, sometimes the risk is people are thinking like, I just need to hire that next person. I just need to like get that goal out. I just need to get that product out. And so it does mean a little bit of like, well, let's like step back for a minute and let's think about like the overall company and the overall structure and think about how to make that work. We're going to open it up for questions uh, in a little bit, so just have your have your questions ready. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to get your take on this. So, in uh, it, on the issue of not just hiring more women, but sure. paying women fairly and equal is yeah equally as important. So, sure. um, in April, the Department of Labor came out and they said they found systemic problems of Google paying women less than their male counterparts. Google came out and said, we vehemently disagree. They called it an unfounded statement. Have you seen a pay gap within YouTube? You don't run yeah. off Google, you run YouTube. Yeah. Have you seen it? Is it a problem? Yeah. Um, also, I will say we were really, really surprised by that allegation. And um, I, I know internally that you know, if you, if you want to manage pay, it, you know, we have like a very sophisticated teams that manage that. So like people, like many people who have PhDs who do sophisticated analysis to understand, to make sure you're managing like, like people with like experience and like roles and that it's equal and, you know, location, all those things are taken into consideration. So I'm just saying we take it very seriously. If we, when you talk to those um, experts, like, you know, they give you very sophisticated analysis that they're doing. And so we were very surprised by those allegations. Um, but I will say personally, you know, and since I have access to, you know, certainly everyone in my organization's compensation, you know, I regularly will go through when we're doing our, our pay reviews and say, like, let's go through everyone who is at this level. Let's make sure that everyone who's at this level performing at this level, that they're within the same band of, of compensation. And, you know, I, I will say from doing it, it is complicated because you look at like, well, how, you know, what do you look at two year? Do you look at four year? If someone joined last year versus like five years ago and the stock went up, like, you know, there, there, it's like there's many factors. This is a complicated um, thing to do, but I consistently go through it and um, you, you do. I personally go through it wow. myself. Like after my teams go through it, after the HR teams go through it, I go through it and I look through it and I spot check that it is consistent and it's fair. Wow. And um, like, I mean, and if we see like, you know, again, yeah. if we see something, we correct it. So yesterday, Secretary Clinton did an interview with our Christiane Amanpour. Mm -hmm. It was a fascinating interview, a lot of headlines out of it. And she was asked specifically, it was at a Women for Women event about these barriers for women in STEM and yeah. in tech. And Secretary Clinton said one of the things she believes we need to get rid of is that em employers can ask uh, a candidate what their salary was before. Because as women have made less you know, for, for, throughout, unless they have a chance to have parity, we can't get there. Do you agree with her on that? Is that part of the problem? 
not allowing employers to ask people what women what they anyone what they made before um, I mean I, I think usually when you look at comp it's not like oh what did they make before and then how do we pay them something similar to what they paid before like we have a pay scale we say people who are at this level we look at their background we say based on their background they're gonna come in at this level based on this level um, in this location this is like what our pay is hmm. And so um, we are not saying, oh, look, this is what she made before. Let's like, pay her the same amount. So I, I, I think I, I don't want to um, say I necessarily disagree with her because it could be other companies mm -hmm. operate differently. But I'd say from, what, from Google, like, it's, we're, we're not going to disadvantage anyone because of their pay being higher or lower um, at a previous company. So moving on to how this is so personal for you as, as a mom as well. Yeah. Which, by the way, I was watching an interview from a, a conference, and it was with um, Rahm Emanuel, by the way, oh, the, yeah. the uh -huh. mayor of Chicago, yeah. who speaks his mind. Yeah. And, he, uh, and he said that you had done an interview previously, and the first yeah. five questions to you were about your kids. Yeah. <laughs> so people often lead with, Oh yeah, my gosh, how can you do this all as a mother of five? Yeah. Uh, and I do think that because I find it hard to do this with one kid. Yeah. But I, I just wonder for you, do you ever get <laughs> sick of, of that line of questioning? Yeah, actually, it was really funny because Rom at the same conference, he pointed that out to the oh, interviewer. Oh, and asked him about his kids. That's yeah, no, he, 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 was like, he was like, wait, nobody asked me about my family. Yeah. I would love to talk to you about my family. Like, <laughs> ask me about it, right? So, um, um, you know, I think I'm like of two minds about it. On one hand, um, like if I'm at a business conference and you know you have five CEOs representing like large companies with like billions of dollars. I mean, we have like a billion users of YouTube, like, like you know, real serious um, executives. Like, it's a little unfair if they're like, "Tell me about your business," and then they like go to me and be like, "Tell me about your kids." It's like, wait, that's not relevant. Um, and on so, panels, you get like two answers in. So yeah, and so in those cases, it, it's not. I don't, you know, that I don't think is appropriate unless they're going to say that to everybody. Um, but on the other hand, I also realize like I'm in a unique position. Like I want there to be more women in tech. I want that not because I think th this representation. Oh, it's a really geeky field. Like I think it's wrong. Like I'm in the field. I work with these people every day. It's fun. It's creative. It's exciting. Um, and we just, like, we need more women to see the fun and the creative and the social parts of it. And so I, I want women to see that and I want to talk about how women can have a career there. And, and you know, it's also very, like, fle very flexible hours. Mm -hmm. um, people come in when they want. They leave when they want. And so there are many benefits to someone who... For women who, in tech. Yeah, for women um, who, you know, want to have a little bit of flexibility. And so... Um, on one hand, I, I feel responsibility to talk about it, and I think lots of people do want to know. They're, they want to know, like generally, how how do you do it? Because I'm I'm struggling, or because mm -hmm. I'm thinking about that, or I have young, you know I'm a young woman, and like I find young women are always I always always thinking about that as a young woman. I don't know why. Like why was I worried about it? I mean, I just realized like that was not a good use of time, um, because like once you have yeah. kids, like then you figure like whoa, this is like totally different. Like I you know so many things I couldn't have anticipated. Yes. Uh, and but so I, I understand like that people are curious about it and they want to know and I want to share like I actually like this was very you know I went through a lot of things myself like I had a lot of challenges like I'm happy to share 
you know, those challenges I went through and like how did I overcome it? So just as like a peer, I enjoy talking about it. So your daughters, yeah, and we're seeing some great, great oh, yeah. family photos of you and your family. Yes, that's me and my, like three, the first three, yes. The first three. Your, your daughter uh, at 10 years old came home and told you she hated computers. Yes. Did you fall over? Yes. Um, so yeah, so I had already been talking publicly and I had been like, I, I am focused on STEM and I'm focused on getting more women and I felt like I'm a leader and you know, and I was like mentoring women at, at, at Google and, and, and I did, and then I came home and my daughter was like, I hate computers. I was like, what? I, I hate computers. And then um, I was like, oh gosh, like I, I have a problem. I need to focus on this at, at home. Like I can't just, I'd be like, I can't talk about this in the workplace and talk about this publicly and then have a problem at home. Um, and so she's my second. Um, and so, you know, I asked her like, what was the problem? It was actually really interesting. She said, my um, son, she's like, there was one computer and my son had conquered it. Um, and those are her words, conquered the computer. And, and so I had to find something else to do. Those were her words. And, um, and like, well, actually, so there is like, if you look at the data, and you mentioned this really briefly, is that if you look in the 80s, like, um, women and, and men were more equally represented in computer science. And so like, my theory is, is like, what happened is, is that, and they're, they're like, there, there are other people's theories out there, but I, I, from my experience, I've seen this, which is that for some reason, when the computer came into the home, the boys started playing with it more. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can't explain why, and that they did. And so when they did, then by the time they got to the first computer science class, it was already at a high enough or more advanced level that it was harder for someone with no experience to actually do well in that introductory class. Um, and it became a discouragement. And so. Um, so it was really hard. So I was like, oh, so I went to my daughter and I was like, okay, you're going to computer camp. And, and she, was, she, she, loved she went to the computer camp and then she came back and she's like, I hate computers even more. <laughs> I was like, this is not working. Um, and so I wound up like actually meeting the head of that computer camp via my work at Google. And so I was like, you know, my daughter, I sent my daughter and she hated your camp. And, and, um, and I was like, you made her wear a boy's t-shirt that said techie. I was like, that was black. I was like, do you think she really wanted to wear that? Do you think she you know, really wanted to be in a class with all boys? Yeah, and, and he was like, oh no, I, I, I understand. And I was like, let's create like a girls program. So, um, and, and so actually they did, and they were like, they also saw it as an opportunity, right? Because there's like a lot of people who need those girls. And so I really, so she wound up going to a program that was a summer camp that was um, tailored just for girls. And I found, like, I, you know, my kids go to co-ed schools, but I think in computer education, there are many advantages to having, um, you know, a single classes for girls or like a way for them to get that experience in an environment that is less competitive and that's more social. And she, so she went, she, um, she learned a little bit of computer science, but the most important thing is that she, she liked it afterwards. She loved it. She, and then I got her to take more classes, and she kind of com complained, but she, you know, she learned enough. And then she chose to take computer science in high school, and she came back, and she was like, they think I'm like a computer genius. And I'm like, you know, and that was just because I had made her go to classes. So it had, like, she had learned enough that she could now be an equal and participate in the class and was like actually ahead of the, of the class in some ways um, at first. Now she's like at the same level as everyone else. But, <laughs> but, 
But she at least is like willing and, yeah. and wanting to do yeah. it. And so I just, I mean, it's, my experience is also consistent with Google's research, which is that we have seen that the people who have gone into the field have had someone in their life that has encouraged them. Um, it could be a teacher, it could be a parent, um, it could be, you know, a mentor, but somebody who said, you know what, you're good at, you're good at this, why don't you do more? And so I think just like encouraging her, um, telling her to not give up, like making sure that she saw the opportunity um, has really made a big difference. I want to hit on two quick things and, and then open it up for questions. Um, you have really led the charge, one of the leaders on parental leave at Google, yeah. not just maternity leave, yes. parental leave. I re recently wrote a, a fortune column about, uh, about my husband taking a month off oh, before yeah. his firm oh, allowed yeah. that, right? And the choice that he made and what it meant for our family. Can you just talk about the business case for doing that, what it has actually, why it has made business sense for Google? Is it, is it four months? Yeah, so um, Google offers 18 weeks um, for, um, for mothers and I believe 12. For, and I think the difference is because we're in California, a different state of, Google does it differently in different regions because there's different laws and we're a global company. But in um, California, there's this six weeks that goes with the, um, with the, with the birth of a child. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, what we saw and what we saw is, is that when we offered a longer leave period, women were more, we're less likely to leave at like less likely meaning like half as likely to leave wow and so you know if you think about our workforce um which a like you know we're trying to grow more women in the in the workforce um we want that diversity they're trained they know what you know they're excellent at their jobs um and then you think like oh we could just give them extra time at, at home and they're going to come back um, more prepared, more ready, able to handle those challenges, less likely to leave the, the workforce. So that, the, like, there are many benefits for that. Um, but California overall has instituted um, the, the six weeks leave. Yeah. And um, you know, when it was first implemented, it, there was a lot of controversy about like, how is this actually going to affect the economic situation. And after it was implemented, a study was run by a um, different economic institute. Um, and they found across U Cal um, California businesses that workers felt that the morale and the productivity was equal or better mm. um, after having implemented this leave. Yeah. So in general, like, you know, this, like, you know, women, um, moms, like, they, they are an important part of the economy. You want to have them on your, at part of your company. You want them part of the decision-making process. Um, and so there are many reasons to uh, extend yeah. that maternity and, and leave dads, and paternity I'm, leave. I'm so proud to work for a company that gives it to, to moms and dads. Yeah. I am, you know, I, I could not be happier about that. I think everyone yeah. should have the opportunity that you and I had on that front. Before we go to questions, I just want to But I will get, say U.S. is like... It's very, it's, I mean, it's US, as bad as Papua New Guinea, the government doesn't yeah, mandate it. Yeah, they're one, we're one of two countries in the world yeah. that doesn't offer paid maternity leave. Yep. And um, tw like 25% of American women go back to work after 10 days. 10 days. And 25% of American women. Yeah. And so, like, you think about that, like, like, how could that be good for, you know, babies? How could that be good for breastfeeding? How could that be good for maternal depression? Like, how, you know, so the problem is, like, we're paying for it and all these health costs as opposed to just giving women the time to be at home and... Um, and, you know, recover and, like, be with their baby and bond with their okay. baby. And, I mean, so 
Um, it's it's a it's a huge issue, and um, I think you know paid leave is like you know it's a it's a it's not just a mother and child issue; it's a societal issue we have. Let's get raise your hand. We'll bring a mic over to you, and as we do, uh, quick question on the administration on politics before sure. you go. Sure. CNN covers politics a little bit oh, these sure. days, if you've noticed. Uh, yes. President right. Trump <laughs> is establishing an American Technology Council. Yeah. Uh, this is brand new, it's going to help the government transform and modernize its digital services. We hear some of the biggest names from Silicon Valley are being invited to the White House. Mm -hmm. Are you one of those names? Yeah. Um, well, not yet. Okay. Um, would you go? Or, um, I mean, I would have to hear a little more about like the agenda and what's being planned. And um, But, you know, I think, of course, the, you know, the administration has many you know, they play a really important role in our in our business and the economy, and so being able to give input is really important. So I think it's it's good to have always the voice, voice to have that influence. Um, but you know, it could be like there are many. The Google has a couple of representatives, so it could be there's someone else from Google. And that the number one thing to. you want from this administration right now. Um, um, you know, I mean, I think if you're if you're Google, there are many issues. There's like H-1B visas, patent reform, net neutrality. I mean, so the, uh, there are many, many different components from a company. I think if you just talked about like my personal issue, my personal issue would probably be paid leave, paid because leave. like again, that's my personal issue as opposed to the, the the business as opposed to like Google as a corporate issue. That'd be my personal one, um, just because I think you know that's a that's a huge. Um, um, paid leave and childcare are huge issues in, in, for keeping women in the yep. economy, and um, and and I think probably the other one it's hard to have just one would be like science education, tech education. Like U.S. is a leader in tech. We have you know all the big tech companies are here. How do we get this next generation? Like everybody should be taking computer science as well. Everybody takes biology and chemistry. Like it doesn't mean they're going to be doctors or pharmacists um, or chemists. Like everybody should have that education. Right there. In the back. You can stand up and just introduce yourself. Oh, sure. Hi, I'm Katie Koch, uh, Goldman Sachs. I just, I had a question for you. You mentioned that um, there's a billion hours of uh, video watched every day on YouTube, which yes. is exciting and, and possibly a bit scary. Um, so is that going to grow necessarily just with demographics and with internet connectivity? But the counterfactual to that is that as a parent, you are worried, I am worried about screen time with my children. Yeah. Um, and is there a possibility that there could be like an organic food movement, if you will, in digital? Like where people start to move away from screen time and like what are the business implications of that for yeah. you? Yeah, well, so yeah, we announced a billion hours last year and um, we expect that to continue to grow. We have not seen any sign of our growth rate slowing down in any way. And if you ask what that comes from, it comes from um, certainly having um, new users um, but also having more content and our users staying on the platform for longer. And for our users also, um, you know, mobile was a huge driver of our growth. Um, so the majority of our, of our watch time is happening on mobile, but living room is our fastest growing device. So people like having smart TVs and then realizing, oh, like YouTube's just a click away. Uh, and, and so I think when you talk about kids, like, yeah, I, I see that as a parent too, right? Like my kids are uh, on YouTube, of course, and... Um, do you ever say to them, stop watching YouTube? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I mean, well, so I, I do think as a parent, it is something you need to manage, right? You need to manage your child's screen time and making sure that, you know, well, first of all, every parent has like their own philosophy. I'll just say, I personally, with my kids, I do manage their screen time because I want to make sure they have, you know, time outside, time with their friends, time, you know, doing other... Mm -hmm. Um, other things. But one thing I did learn that I was really, really surprised about um, 
So when I became CEO of YouTube, I suddenly became very interested in what my kids were watching on YouTube, like from a business standpoint. But um, I realized like how bonding it is, like when you generally care about what they're watching and like ask them about it and like watch it with them and then like discuss it with them. Like I actually realized like, like how powerful that is. So rather than just saying like, no, your screen time's over, like spend time saying like, what are they, what are they watching? Can I watch it with you? Um, can I see what you're watching? Like, show me what's your favorite, you know, what's your favorite YouTuber? Like, I guarantee you, they will, you will have a good discussion with your child afterwards and you'll learn something. And you know, the other thing about YouTube content that I think is really important to know is like, there's a lot of educational content on the platform. And so you want to ask them like, well, what, what are you watching? Like, what, you know, did you, what are, like my son like does science experiments. Um, and um, from what he learned on YouTube. My daughter, the other day, if you came into my kitchen, they, were, they made these giant tubs of this shaving cream with colors in it, with glue, it was like this giant, and like the, my, my sister was there doing it with me and they were like, this came from yeah. YouTube. They were like, we learned, we like saw this. This was a do it yourself on YouTube. Thank you, Susan. And, but you know, it was very creative. Like they had gotten that go. idea to create something from YouTube. So. I think it's good to ask, what are they doing with their time? Final question, right here. From Hi, my name is Joe Padalea. So Joe runs, when, Joe runs a Boys and Girls Club here okay. in New York. Okay, good. Thank you. So with that said, and now with a billion downloads every day, how do you control, how do you control it? How do you control having someone shoot somebody or yeah. commit suicide on that? Yeah. Um, because I've got 5,000 kids yeah. that I worry about what they watch. You've got five at home. You have to worry about what they watch. Sure. I mean, and what role do you have for censoring or deleting it? You can't possibly m monitor a billion downloads. So how, how do you yeah, do that? That's a great question. Yes. It's an issue uh, like you and your competitors are facing with live streaming, more yeah. murders being live streamed. Yeah. I mean, it's a real issue. You face some advertisers pulling their ads because yeah. they can't control the content. You're dealing with that. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great question. Um, so I'll answer it in, in two ways, which is, first of all, um, actually, like while we're on the topic of kids and YouTube, we offer a YouTube Kids product, just to be clear for everyone. Um, it's really geared at a um, 13 and under audience. And that is a, um, a curated set of material to make sure that um, young kids are seeing content that's appropriate for them. And then the second um, thing is we, the way we manage our platform and that we have what we call community guidelines, content that we do not want to have on the platform. Um, for example, anything that is um, adult content, um, promoting violence, um, promoting hate. Um, that is called content that we remove off of the platform. And the way that we manage it is we have a system by which users flag that content. So if, if you ever see a video that's inappropriate, that gets flagged, that goes into a queue, it's reviewed by a human, and that human says, is this does this meet our guidelines or not? And if it doesn't, then that video is pulled down. And um, so that's essentially how we manage the platform. And it's a challenge as everything evolves, of course. Yeah. Uh, we are over time. Right. Uh, thank you so much, Susan. Uh, for, thank for you for this. having me. Thank you for having me. Um, thank, you. thank you. Thank you as a mom. Thank you thank for you. what you're doing for women. Thank you for having me. Thanks, thank Susan. you.
Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Boss Files. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.